Well, good morning. Happy Easter. Okay, that you're the nine o'clock. So let's try that again. Happy Easter. Good. There's an ancient tradition. Modern at all. It's ancient. It goes back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years where the church would respond to a proclamation of he is risen and the church will respond with he is risen indeed. So let's give that a shot this morning. He is risen. Again, you're the nine o'clock service, so let's try that again. There's coffee in the back. It's only regular, so if you're kind of feeling sloggy this morning, I know it snowed this morning, that's great on Easter, uh, but let's wake up a little bit, move your fingers, let's wake up. Are you guys ready for this? Let's try it one more time. Uh, we want to make sure that we actually do believe it. Uh, he is risen. That is so much better. Now, you're going to have to forgive me. I've had a lot of coffee this morning. I was awake uh, in and out throughout the night uh, thinking about Easter, dwelling on it. Uh, Sandy and I and Naomi watched uh, The Passion of Christ uh, last night, and so that was super heavy on my heart going to bed and waking up this morning. So I'm a little hyper uh, this morning, so I apologize for those of you in the front row. You might get wet a little bit from my excitement, but I'm super excited that you're here for Easter morning. We join with millions and millions of people all across the world that are literally celebrating the most important day that our world has ever, ever known. The most important day that makes the most incredible difference, not only for eternity, but for you and I today, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, though it doesn't end here. If you're a guest or a visitor, or maybe someone brought you as a friend, uh, it doesn't end here. Next week, we have uh, a 10 o'clock service. We're going to one service. It will start at 10 o'clock, and we're beginning a new series called 105. <laughs> You might say, well, what's 105? What is the deal with 105? Well, we're going to be studying the book of 1 John. There's 105 verses in that tiny little book tucked uh, in the, the farthest part of the New Testament right before the book of Revelation. And we're going to be looking at this book on love, loving God and loving others, two of the most probably difficult commands that we have in the scriptures of what does that mean for you and I in the context and the culture of what we live in, how do we do that? How do we do that well? And so we're going to literally go verse by verse for probably 10 weeks, and we're going to chug through the book of 1 John. It's going to be an incredible journey for us as a church family, so we'd love to have you here in this room next week starting at 10 o'clock. But today, today actually concludes a series that we've been in called Everyone. And we've been in this for a few weeks, and what we've been doing is try to study the life of Jesus. That is, the life he lived, the, the death that he endured, the resurrection, and then what does that mean for us? And when we say us, that means everyone. What does that mean for everyone? And, and, I, and as I've been dwelling on Easter... As I've been thinking about the Easter season, as I've been thinking about this morning, one of the things I've been thinking about is chain reactions. Chain reactions. I don't know however many of you uh, ever played dominoes growing up as a kid. Raise your hand if you ever did dominoes. Maybe not played dominoes like on the street corner, but you set them up to like knock each other down and create that whole thing around your house. I did that as a kid. And so I've been thinking about chain reactions. And we do that in our families, right? Sandy and I will often sit together and we'll reflect on how did we get here? How did life 
bring us to this moment? How did we get to this place as a married couple here and now? How did we end up in Colorado? How did we end up at Rock Creek Church all the way to this morning, this Easter morning? How did this happen? How did me working as a police officer and as a youth pastor and as an executive pastor in California then all kind of connect to bring me to this point? How did I, in my early 20s, find myself suddenly in the midst of a post Mike Tyson press conference in Las Vegas actually happened. That's a story for another day, so you're going to have to come back. How did these things happen? How did this guy grow up in Chicago and marry a beautiful Southern California hottie, right? Like, how in the world did that happen? And how did he have hair back then, right? Like, unbelievable. How did these events happen? And so it's good for us to reflect on chain reactions. One thing that leads to another to another. That guy does not deserve that girl, both then and today. And so if we take time to backtrack, to look, if you would, in the rearview mirror, how events of life and decisions, things that we choose, lead from one thing to the next bring us to the life that we live now. Now, as you saw in the picture, I'm nothing special. You can do this for yourself. You can sit down at the dinner table or out on a date or out on a walk. Maybe not today. It's not looking very great. But you can do this today where you sit down and you have a moment of introspective. You look back over the years and you go, well, how did this, how did we end up where we are today? Sometimes it brings a smile to your face. Maybe it's in mockery, but nevertheless, it brings a smile to your face. Sometimes it brings a tear or two as you reflect on past experience, both in the long run and in the short run. And friends, Easter Sunday, this magnificent event is no different. We do this today. We end with, Easter Sunday, we end with an incredible love and affection and sacrifice of God. But if we backtrack with the things and the chain reaction, the, the events that brought us to this place, much like that video showed, we begin with death. We begin with sin. We begin with heartache. We begin with a sacrifice. And that brings us to a love. And so this morning, I want to talk very briefly about this unrelenting love, this reckless love of God. About three weeks ago, I injured my ribs uh, playing with Chris Tesea and several other younger individuals uh, that uh, were, were bigger, stronger, faster. And so I injured my ribs pretty darn good, and I, and I tried to be that manly man, and I went home, and I did what any really tough man did, and, and that is I whimpered. And, and I struggled. And as Sandy wanted to take care of me and to baby me, again, I did what every man would do. And I received that. Uh, and, and, and she would go, do you need help? And I, yes, I need more than help. I need pillows. And I need to not sneeze. And I need to not cough. I need to not smile or breathe. My ribs hurt. Baby me. And, and I literally took my pain and I looked inward. I, I didn't try and push it away. I wasn't that tough guy. I, I wanted the baby and I wanted the pain to go away. What's that? Huh? Let's see what kind of pain you're going to be in. All right, so I, I had this 
pain. And listen, though, on the cross, in the midst of incredible pain and struggle, Jesus did not look look inward and focused on his pain. He didn't do that. Jesus looked outward. He looked outward for what was going to be the result of that pain. And the result of that pain was love, was affection, was saving. So I just want to dig into that just a little bit this morning. A lot of these verses are going to be on the screen. Right before Jesus was crucified, these Roman soldiers came to arrest Jesus. You might know the story. They also came to arrest his best friends. But in that moment, Jesus speaks up and goes, look, you're here for me. Let them go. And in that moment, Jesus is thinking about others. And Peter grabs a sword and cuts off the soldier's ear. I kind of like Peter. And now, listen, there are a lot of differences between me and Jesus. I know that comes as a shock for a lot of you, but there are a lot of differences between me and Jesus. This is one of them. I don't know if I would... In the midst of the melee of me being arrested, and not just arrested, I'm being arrested to be killed, that I would pause in the midst of the fight to reach down and take care of one of the people who is arresting me. And yet, that's exactly what Jesus does. He's thinking about the one who came to crucify him. He's thinking about those around him. And then it says that while he was on the cross, he said, Father, please forgive these people who are hurting me. They have no idea what they're doing. This is crazy. This kind of love makes no sense. It's an unrelenting love. And Jesus is literally hanging there on the cross, suffering, as we talked about on Good Friday, suffering and experiencing every moment of every second of that pain with at least two other criminals. And one of them said, you must be the son of God. And Jesus turns to him and says, today you are going to be with me in paradise. Again, he's thinking about the other. And while he's on the cross, as a good son should, he turns to one of his disciples that is nearby, and he says, hey, that's my mom. Please take care of her for me. And again, and again, and again, the life that Jesus led, and yes, even during his death, There's this relenting love for others, for everyone, for you and for me, unrelenting love. And so this morning, very quickly, I want to just look at three significant points to what is this unrelenting love of God look like? What does it look like for your life and for mine? And the first point is this, God doesn't want from you, he wants for you. In his unrelenting love, God doesn't want something for you to give to him. He wants to give to you. And this is critical for you to know in the depths of your heart. The other day, uh, we 
we're going to have Chinese food. And I went and got a bunch of what I thought was a bunch of Chinese food and, and came home. And Naomi, my high schooler, was at high school theater. And so I had to go drop something off for her. So I dropped off all the Chinese food. And when I came back, the kids didn't even realize that I had walked in the door. There was just food being shoveled and, and being thrown in the air. It was just, it was disappearing before my eyes. And they were literally having a debate on how much they had to save for dad and how much they could just eat on their own. They wanted from me. They didn't really care about me. They just wanted more from me. Some of you parents understand that with your wallet, right? And so this is what's happening. And sometimes, sometimes we can hold this view of God that he just wants from us, that he's sitting up there every morning when we wake up and he's wondering, what are you going to give me? What are we going to give God? We can think that he wants our freedom, that he wants to take our fun, take our laughter, take our excitement. And friends, what I want you to know this morning in your heart of hearts is it's not in God's heart to take to steal, or to plunder. John 10.10 tells us that the enemy most certainly wants to steal and to kill and destroy, but God comes to give and to give and to give in abundance. He's a generous God. He wants you to have peace and direction and hope and answers and comfort. That's the heart of God. 1 John 4 tells us that we didn't do anything to deserve this love. We didn't do anything to earn the love. We didn't do anything to work for the love. It's something that God came and he made the first move. And this love is for everyone. Everyone. And sometimes we have to pause just for a moment to wrap our minds around this fact that God's love is for everyone, and that includes you. That's more than a Sunday school answer. That's more than just a peace in your heart when you're having a difficult moment. That is an assurance that we walk with every single day, and we highlight it on Easter Sunday. Friends, this God doesn't want from you. He wants for you. That's number one. The second point about this unrelenting love is that our struggles do not stop God. Our struggles, our, our denial, our doubting, our distance, anything that we tend to put on ourselves, that doesn't stop God from pursuing us. Sometimes we can think, well, man, I've been so bad to God. I, I've been so distant from him. I've denied him. I, I've even struggled to even want to spend time with him. You need to know that hasn't stopped God even once from his pursuit of you. There's a person in the Bible that's called Doubting Thomas. I think he gets a bad rap. He says this, unless I put my hands where the nails were in Jesus's hands and feet, I'm not believing. I'm not buying this. If you would, he thinks, is this an April Fool's joke? It happens to be today. But you see, it's not an April Fool's joke. It's real. It actually happened. But Thomas says, I don't believe. I have my doubts about this. And in John chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus comes to Thomas and reveals himself to Thomas. And at the end of that revelation, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Jesus wasn't detoured. He wasn't put off. He certainly was not stopped by doubt. 
Peter literally disowns Jesus three times, denies even knowing him. The Passion of Christ, as we watched last night, are, are, shows this in an unbelievably creative way of just outright denial and fear. And Peter denies. And then Jesus is risen again and he shows up to Peter. Did you hear that? Peter denies Jesus. And Jesus goes to him. Jesus pursues him. That's who Jesus is. And listen, the other one is this, is that being far from God, having a distance from God, and we've all felt that from time to time, distance doesn't stop God from pursuing you. You say, well, I haven't spent time, very much time with God. I've been busy or I've been disinterested. I don't even want the things of God. I don't even want what he has. I haven't read my Bible. I haven't prayed. I haven't been to church. And you need to know in the heart of your hearts today that that has not stopped God from pursuing you. And this might be you today. Luke 15, there's a story of a father and a son. This son wants his inheritance early. He wants all of it. He just wants to take it all and wants to go his life, his way, and live life in an abundance. And so he does that. The father submits. He gives him his inheritance, and the son lives a crazy life and becomes broke. And at one point, as he's hanging out with the pigs, he decides, I want to come home, but he's worried about how the father will or will not embrace him, will or will not accept him. And the Bible says that while the son was still at a great distance off, while he was far off in the distance, that the father turned and began to run in the direction of the son with his arms open wide and embraced him. Not, listen, I'm judging you today. You made your decisions. You chose. You live in it. You made your decisions. You're the one who left. You're going to have to deal with it. Not a hard heart, not judgment, not pain, not punishment, but love. And if you're distant from God today, and there's various levels of a distance, maybe it's a distance of a few days, maybe it's a distance of a few weeks, maybe it's a distance of, of several months or years, you need to know that that has not detoured God. You need to know that your distance does not, will not, never will stop God. None of our struggles defeats God. Our struggles do not cause God to reconsider his love and affection for us. He doesn't look back. He doesn't you choose to look in the rear mirror as, as, as an introspective time and think, you know what, I actually... I'm not doing that for him or for her. That's not our God. It's actually why love is there in the first place. Matthew chapter 18, verse 14 tells us that God is running after us. Everyone. That none would perish. And you need to know today, I don't know what you brought in here. And if you're listening online, I don't know what you're going through. But I want to say something that is unbelievably truthful for every single listener. And that is God is running after you right now in this exact moment. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of an unrelenting love.
So that's number two. And finally this, Jesus is not religion. Jesus is relationship. Jesus is not a set of rules and regulations, not something we have to do. Jesus is a relationship. And I don't know if you know this yet, you should, but there are a lot of really smart people in our world. Do you guys know that? Maybe you're one of them. How many of you think you're one of the really smart people? I'm just kidding. You don't have to raise your hand. There are some very, very smart people out there. In 2013, it was discovered that then 13-year-old Naha Rimu was pretty darn smart. She was out of London. At age 13, she had a higher IQ than that of Stephen Hawking or Albert Einstein. Now, how smart do you feel? Sources say that scores above 140 are considered genius level. Rimu blew the charts out of the water at 162. Smart girl. And when people, when the experts came to her after discovering her IQ, they pulled her aside and they began to question her about how does it feel to be compared to Hawking and to Albert Einstein, talking about her intellect, talking about how unbelievably smart she is. And here's what Rimu's response was. Stephen Hawking and Albert Einstein, they've achieved so much that I couldn't even dream of achieving. So it's not right to compare me to them just because of my IQ. Because if I don't put my effort in and make use of my IQ, there's no point in even having it. You see, Jesus is not intellectual knowledge. People know of the Easter story. People have a working knowledge of God and Jesus and the cross. But you see, it's much more than that. It's much more than knowing of it. Jesus paid a debt that we could never even comprehend in pain. Jesus forgave us in a way that we could never wrap our minds around. He did it, and we respond. And if we don't respond, then what's the point? What's the point even hearing the good news on an Easter Sunday. You see, the Bible talks so much about how do we get right with God and how do we enter into that loving relationship. I want to read a few verses as the team comes back up to lead us. Romans 3.23 tells us that we've all sinned and, and we all fall short of the glory of God. That's, that's what happens. And as, as a result, the payment, the penalty, that which we have to pay back to God is death. That's what we owe him. But there's a gift. It's a mended relationship. It's, it's eternal. We deserve death because of sin. But you see, there's some hope in this unrelenting love. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still doing the things that we do, while we were still living the life that we wanted to live, in his unrelenting love for everyone, he came to find us. When we look at the Easter story, it's a story of how God comes to find his people, how God comes to find his children and shows this unrelenting love, how he literally runs after his kids. And nothing 
can ever break that. Nothing. There's a passage in Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 38, that tells us this out of the message. There is no way. There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. That, my friends, is love. And it's offered as a relationship to every single one of us. So in closing, let me tell you something you already know very well. Parenting's crazy. Parenting's crazy awesome and crazy hard. Amen? See? Spirit's moving. I have four kids. I have Naomi, who's uh, in high school, and I have Max, who's in first grade, just turned seven. They came out of Sandy's womb. I have my adopted twin boys, Luke and Seth, who came out of another womb but were handed to us immediately following. There are kids. And when they were born, I saw their faces and I lost it. I cried. I know it's not cool. But I cried. For one reason. Love. And that they were going to cost a lot of money. <laughs> and cause me sleepless nights and smell. And the list goes on. But love. The love of a father. And if we backtrack, if we look at the rearview mirror, and we look back to how did we end up on Easter Sunday, we will see a father chasing unrelentlessly after his children in love, in a love that cannot be put in a box, in a love that, that cannot be fully adequately described, we will see that our Heavenly Father was doing whatever it took to care for and save and love His children, every single one of them, everyone. He thought of you. He still thinks of you. He will always think of you. His love is reckless. His love is unrelenting and it's offered to everyone. I am so glad you're here for Easter. There's no better place that you could be. And so God bless you in amazing ways. May God draw you close to his heart, lead you in righteousness, and grant you an undescribing peace in your heart this day and going forward because he has risen and he has risen indeed would you please stand with me and let's continue our time of worship